0: It's a PR thing. This is the show where we help you build relationships that build business. We'll give you a better understanding of what PR is today and how you can use it to drive your business in ways you never knew you could. If you're ready to build bigger and better relationship capital, then this is the show for you. Hey, all Thanks so much for joining me here today on It's a PR Thing. You know I love talking to you about PR things. I'm your host, Stephanie McFarland, and today we're going to talk about bad PR management. But before I dive in, I do want to acknowledge the fact that I have not done a podcast in a month, and the biggest reason for that is I have had impaired vocal cords. Bottom line is this, between December and March of each year, I spend Saturdays and Sundays teaching groups of people to ski, and I absolutely love it but it does require me to project my voice up the hill and down the hill and across the hill. And by the time I get to Sunday, I don't have anything left. And as the season extends on, it takes me longer and longer to recover. But sad to say the ski season is over in Indiana here for the year. And so I now have had some downtime to recoup and I've got enough, I've got enough vocal power in the tank to get us through a podcast today. So, I want to talk about this bad PR management. We've been seeing bad PR all throughout February and here here into early March. Just headlines everywhere. News coverage almost every night. It's been really disheartening to watch. And one that's really been in the news has been obviously East Palestine, Ohio. I have an affinity for that community because I live in a sister community called New Palestine, Indiana. We're about the same size and about the same makeup. And I can just imagine what something like that, people having to be evacuated from their homes, uh, you know, a a toxic chemical being burned off, um, people worried about, you know, their homes, their water supply, their air, just even their futures. I can so empathize with that community. One of the things that occurred as part of this whole plethora of activity with that incident there for the derailment was on February 8th, there was a News Nation reporter who was arrested at a news briefing. I want to talk about that today. I think that's really pretty salient and relevant to so many people who work in PR. I mean, the whole thing is, to be quite frank, but this particularly, I think we can really focus in on. And I bring it up because I have a colleague who works the crisis management side of things, we work the crisis communication side. This person actually helps to get the crisis resolved. And he sent me the video when this first happened. And he was like, I am really concerned that this something like this may happen at a future news briefing, because in the work that they do, they help folks like us coordinate news briefings, you know what I mean, on site and help to be able to get the word out and the communication and the updates. What, what he is seeing from the different crises and so forth that they work Contention with media is just getting, seems to be getting worse and worse. And so we talked about some ways that you can mitigate that, you can manage those relationships in the moment, and you can help to de-escalate those kinds of situations, put some things in place um, that help to signal good faith and cooperation and collaboration even to a certain degree. So we talked through those things, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, I think this is really good for a podcast, so we're going to cover those today, and there are five best practices. Now, I want to step back, though, and first just confirm I was not there at the news briefing. I only know what you know, what has been in the news media, and that's news reports, body cam video, that's it. Two things, though, that I've found seem to be pretty consistent across news reports. One is... Apparently, someone who was involved in hosting the media briefing determined that the News Nation reporter was being too loud while he was recording spots at the back of the facility where the news briefing was taking place. So that's one. The other thing is that the reporter was frustrated because the news conference was two hours delayed in getting started. I can understand the reporter's frustration with the news conference being delayed, and I can also understand why it needed to be delayed. In a nutshell, when officials arrive on site, In situations like this, they want to get the absolute up-to-the-minute information from city officials, first responders. In this case, there were federal regulators there. And sometimes they even want to talk to residents so they can get their perspective before they step up to the podium to address the media. And I think all of that is most certainly fair and warranted. It's part of their job of helping the people affected. For our media friends... Unfortunately, you know, you have to realize that your story has to take a back seat to the people affected, and that may mean you might have a, a media briefing that's been delayed. Now, to be fair to this reporter, he may have had a lot of pressure on him from his newsroom to get something out. You know, that very well could have been the case, but how the whole situation was handled went really wrong, really bad, in a really big way, really quickly. I think we can all agree on that. So what could have been done to help de-escalate that situation? First and foremost, I should say my first best practice rather, is to know your facility. When these things happen, they're happening fast. And it is raw and real. It's function over fashion. In this situation, the event was held in school gymnasium, it was elementary school gymnasium. That's going to carry sound. So in this kind of situation, If you can get somebody who's on the ground there that you're coordinating with to tell you, hey, what are my logistical opportunities in this location? That can be very helpful. And I can tell you right now, people that work in politics uh, or work for political campaigns, you know what I mean? And then they come and they try to transition that same kind of approach to uh, a crisis news briefing, it usually will have some failure to it. There is a different way to do a crisis news briefing than there is to do, you know, a political campaign news briefing let me say that for the record. But in this situation, it'd been great to have somebody who could have done some triage, if you will, just to find out what are the opportunities there? Where can we send reporters who wanna do some, possibly some live spots right from, you know, right from the location? Where can we place them? That's real simple. It's a school. It has hallways. Could have moved those over in the hallway, taken some painter's tape or some masking tape, taped off an area, and then direct reporters out there who want to do spots. Making that kind of stuff available to them when they get there is really important. Now, best practice number two, signage. You might say, well, this stuff happens really fast, right? You don't have time to do signage. We're not talking about polished, produced signage. You likely won't have time for that. I mean, if you have somewhere where you can print off some things, you know what I mean, on cardstock or something and make that work, that's great. But sometimes you don't have that. I mean, even my team and I, have had occasions where we've taken a folding chair, some packing tape, a marker, and some cardstock, and we have very legibly written a sign onto that and taped it to the folding chair. And then we set those up. It works in a pinch. And again, in those situations, reporters aren't interested in polished and produced either. They're essentially in the same boat. It's raw, it's real, you know, it's function over fashion. Best practice number three. Lay out the rules of etiquette, if you will, for the news briefing before your speaker gets to the podium. And that's real simple. You just step to the mic, thank them for being there, let them know there'll probably be a little bit of a delay, appreciate their patience, let them know who's going to be speaking or who all will be speaking. Also, you know, let them know kind of the run of show. We're Going to have maybe 15 minutes for questions. Uh, if you want to do any individual interviews, you know what I mean, we'll be setting up over here to do that. Please make sure, you know, you let my team know if you're interested in doing, you know, an individual interview. Just let them know what kind of the the ethic and the logistical opportunities are going to be. Let them know as well if you want to do spots, you know, sound carries in this facility. If you could please, you know, do your spots outside in the hallway, we've got some areas taped off for you. That'd be great. We've also got some signs back there to help direct you. That's a very, very helpful practice to put in place. Now, best practice number four, give reporters an on-site policy handout for reference when they enter the briefing area, which includes the run of show and any special logistical instructions. That's really helpful. That way, reporters have something in writing. They can refer to it. You know, and this is something I would strongly recommend to have a template in your back pocket for. So when crisis erupts, you can easily pull that off, you know, make contact with whoever is on the ground helping you select your facility. Find out your logistical opportunities. Remember, best practice number one. Find out what those are and use that to help pull together this logistical, you know, kind of on-site policy handout. Then you just print it off and grab it with you and go to site. Or you can, you know, obviously, you know, send it to someone there, you know, who can who can do that on the ground. Now, best practice number five. If the news briefing is going to be delayed, keep the media on-site updated every 15 minutes that you're in that delay period. Some things you can do in that delay. One is let them know you appreciate them being there. You appreciate their patience. If you've got something you can give them about, you know, what what your official is doing that's, you know, uh, contributing to the delay, for example, right now they're meeting with first responders, you know what I mean? They're also going to be meeting with residents, so it may be a little bit longer. Really appreciate you being here. If you want to do any kind of live spots or you need to do one, I want to tell you where those areas are set up for you to do that. You could also ask them what their questions are. That will actually help you be able to start to get kind of a pattern of questions that you're seeing and what questions likely may not get answered, you know, during the news briefing, just simply because information may not be available, but you can put those on your follow-up list. And the other thing you can do is if there are other officials they are not speaking that reporters want to talk to, you can at least make a note of that and you can reach out to those officials and see if they would be available for an interview, either maybe even before the briefing gets started or after the briefing. Again, it's kind of customer service, if you will, to the media while they're there waiting. But the bottom line is stay in contact with them. Keep giving them updates and letting them know mean you know, that you appreciate them being there and kind of so they understand you know, what is causing the delay. I do understand that reporters sometimes get pushy and they get argumentative. I've seen them get out of line. In fact, I've seen some become verbally abusive with folks they're interviewing and and in a couple cases, physically aggressive. Believe me, I've been doing this for three decades now. I have a long list of disturbing and shocking accounts of shameful media behavior. Guys, I've got enough to fill a book. But I will say this, in almost every one of those incidents, that usually occurred because the company in question had no on-site media policy or protocols to set boundaries and rules of conduct. And when that's the case, Media personnel may very well try to hijack your event or even your premises. I've seen it happen. I mean, we all saw this, right? A few years back, Jim Acosta, CNN, infamous White House briefing. He's ripping the microphone out of the hand of the White House communication assistant, and he takes over the briefing. And it earned him, rightfully so, a cooling off period in the penalty box. And, you know, he got his media credential revoked for a few days. And the big pushback was, you know what I mean? There was no type of protocol for conduct. I mean, for the White House press corps, and that is very important. You must have something like that, or at least a procedure. I mean, where people can appeal. But again, that was an extreme case. Most reporters are happy to comply with the rules of the road. If you explain the rules of the road in advance, they are reasonable, and you demonstrate a good faith effort to help them be able to get the news they need and to possibly even package a news story. And by the way, as I said earlier, I wasn't there. So I don't really know what happened. And frankly, to be fair, some of these things actually may have been in play. And if they were, and the reporter disregarded them, then he helped contribute to the situation going from cordially invited to confrontational. But my experience leads me to guess that this news briefing was thrown together pretty quickly and some excuse me, crucial crisis communication management steps were missed. Now, I am happy to report, as I think most people know by now, the reporter was released. There were certainly no charges filed as well. There should not have been. And now we're, we're moving on. But right now, we have another question at hand. And that is, how will the federal government and Norfolk repair the damage to this community? How are they going to safeguard its people from the fallout? And how are they going to mend that breach in public trust that is very evident right now? I think we all know that's a podcast for another day. I don't have the vocal reserve to address it right now, but we will definitely put it on the agenda. You guys, thanks so much for joining me here today on It's a PR Thing. That's our show for this week. You know I love talking to you about PR things. Please go out and make it a great day.